If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off the Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring him down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. Allegiant Stadium was pretty cool. Oh, it was unreal. I'm not going to lie. It was yeah. really, really cool. The yeah. whole trip was really, really cool. I hadn't been to Las Vegas in eight years. Lots changed. I thought it was cool. Did you guys see any uh, Did you see any slot machines in the stadium yesterday? Or no. Sunday? no. There were slot machines there? No, I, I'm asking because I didn't oh. see any either. No, but I didn't walk around the concourse at all. I stayed pretty much ground level, your field level for the most part. Ran up to the press box, which was really nice, but that was it. I didn't, I, I mean, there was a legit stage in, you know, one of the concourses where in the breaks, whereas we play oh, yeah. music in Lucas Oil Stadium right. via our in-house DJ, DJ Willie Matus. They have actual bands, like John performing. No, 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 no. They, have, they have Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, well, but John Fogarty was halftime. I'm saying like it's a timeout, and there is an actual oh, like drummer <laughs> playing like live music. It was it was nuts. You got Guy Fieri down there. Yeah, it was cool. I'm walking around. I go over to talk to Melanie Collins, who's a sideline reporter for CBS. She was over on that sideline. I look over and I'm like. Oh, that's spiky-haired, flame T-shirt it's Jay, guy. It's I know JJ's him. Guy. That it's, is my guy right there. Yeah. Jeffrey Gorman once said on this podcast, "Hey, you kind of like Guy that's Fieri." That's right. I, I no, I don't. You present. remind me of Guy Fieri. Well, that's a compliment. <laughs> I was present. I'll take for that, that conversation. Is it yeah. Is it? Uh, guy Fieri's great. Uh, okay. We don't need to get into that. No, we don't. Right now, we no. do, this is not the Guy Fieri <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You know, triple but no, D, it was diners, it was stuff. really cool. It was the atmosphere was really neat. Did I mean, you uh, did you gamble at all? I did not. Did you take any money out of the ATM? No, no? I, I did not. I didn't did not gamble while we were there. It was too quick of a trip, really, to kind of get into too much. Yeah. You I did know? go to a Las Vegas Golden Knights game. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, good atmosphere, hockey, good crowd right? there. Yeah, that's hockey. Yes, yeah. correct. Okay, uh, Rick Venturi's favorite hockey team, the Golden Knights. There you go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's obscure. How did that, how did that happen? Uh, uh, he said, you know, he just picked him up. Picked him up in the playoffs a couple years ago. Yeah. Right? Huh. Don't they have like a like a? There was jousting. Yeah. On the what ice what do they call the like the the medieval times? Yeah. Don't they have like a big like play or production yeah. before every game? It, it had it had like medieval times on ice vibes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely different, no doubt about that. Hey, welcome into the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Matt Taylor. J.J. Stankovic across the way. Lair Overton is here. And uh, we are loaded up with a lot to talk about. Jeff Saturday gets his first win in the NFL as interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Also, shout out to the Colts social social media team because the caption from the locker room victory speech was any given Saturday. Meg Stahl. Meg Stahl on Twitter right there. (laughs) Applause. Unbelievable. No doubt. So we're here to break it all down. Jeff Saturday gets his first win. Parks Frazier, his debut as play caller for the Colts. Uh, the the uh, return of Matt Ryan at the quarterback position. Jonathan Taylor's big day as the Colts on the big picture snap a three-game losing streak. And the Colts are now 4-5-1 and one on the season. Currently in second place in the AFC South. Uh, the playoffs started today. The Colts are still on the outside looking in as far as that's concerned. And up next, the no longer 
undefeated Philadelphia Eagles come to town as the Colts return home for the first time in three weeks. I watched the first quarter. I was Bush from the trip. Did you stay up and watch the game? I stayed up. Monday? I fell asleep late fourth quarter was when I dozed off. I only watched the first half. But, I mean. I mean, I, I, the thing is, I've watched a lot of the Eagles because I'm such a fan of Nick Sirianni. I mean, he in this building, when he was here, he's so easy to 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 rally behind, to right. cheer for. And right. Jonathan Gannon as well, uh, one of the guys who, when he was on staff here as DB's coach, I was very close with. So excited to to see those guys, excited to welcome them back. But, yeah, I made it through uh, halfway, midway through fourth quarter. Philly, couldn't, Philly didn't have the ball. Yeah, four like I, four yeah, turnovers? I, I, only, I only watched the first half, mm-hmm. and I think they had like 16 plays in the first half. Yeah. Washington yeah. had over 50. Uh, no longer undefeated. Yeah. Eagles only had the ball for six minutes in the first half. They got off to a great start. They got that. With t- and and that Washington with Taylor Heineke. I yeah. mean, my God. Keeps getting it done, man. That's the guy's the thing, a gamer. Too, everyone kind of looked at that loss of the Colts to the Commanders. And, you know, uh, yes, it was a devastating loss. It was so disappointing because the Colts had chances in that game with Sam Ellinger at quarterback. But then you this week you look at it and people are like, oh, wait, maybe Washington deserves a little bit more respect than we've put on them so far this season. Yeah, big, no doubt. Big decision there with uh Carson Wentz is going to come back as a starter yeah. now Taylor Heineke or no not doubt. Yep. I don't Which know how you make Colts, that move you would, dude you I don't want know how you make to that because move. he needs those snaps to be yes. able to improve the your draft stock yes. yeah oh yeah Colts fans pick, want him yeah. to come back and play quarterback yeah based on the trade and the contingencies there I'm not sure you move on from Heineke right now yeah <laughs> commanders were 10 and a half point underdogs that's just the NFL and they man. won by 11 and they won by 11 wow. points yeah got a late touchdown there kind of in garbage time so Anything can happen, man. That's the NFL, not for long. All right, let's talk about the Colts. A fresh perspective in here. We're transitioning into the first part of this podcast as we focus on Jeff Saturday becoming the first interim head coach to win his first game on the job since Ron Meyer pulled it off in 1986. Uh, First interim coach to get a win since 1991. Our guy, uh, Rick Venturi, in that capacity. Always good when when uh, Rick Venturi is a trivia question around here. So let's talk about impact. Lara, I'll tee it up for you. What, what kind of impact did Jeff Saturday have last week in practice and preparation on the sidelines during the game? A fresh perspective on this team in their win against the Raiders. And the fresh perspective comes from, I believe he brought a big picture perspective. He had a lot of clarity from watching all 32 teams over the course of the season, but also intimately having watched the Indianapolis Colts as a consultant this year so he could kind of compare what things are working elsewhere that I can implement from what I've seen, but also from my own experience. And one of those things comes from something everyone knows about Jeff and everyone saw about Jeff and what he would be in this role, high energy, high intensity. I'm going back through my notes from Sunday's game and in talking to guys around the locker room all week long, they're like, man, he brought energy. He brought intensity. And that injected something into this team. I also think we saw a response where this team finally saw okay, we got to get this together. This responsibility of where we are in this season and everything that has happened and unfolded, this falls on us. And one of the things I think that Jeff did that was a huge benefit to this team and what we saw such a great uh, result from was Jeff didn't try to come in and do too much. He was like, okay, I'm I'm going to oversee and I'm going to step in when I feel like I can make an impact. But the rest of the coaching staff – 
everyone had to step up. You're essentially down two offensive staff members with, you know, of course, Frank Reich being the primary play caller and Marcus Brady is the offensive coordinator. So Jeff looks around the rest of the staff. Okay, what more responsibilities can each person shoulder? Parks is going to call plays, but obviously, I mean, I saw Scott Milanovic be more vocal than I have in terms of in-game integration and in-game communication. Same goes, you know, Jeff was over there working highly with Kevin Mawai and Chris Strasser. Mm-hmm. So I think that part of it was really commanding and delegating to the rest of the staff that everyone has to do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And we all have to play to each other's strengths. And I think that Jeff did a great job of identifying strengths within the staff to lean on and then strengths within this team to lean on and a way to find fire them up. And one of the things that Bobby O'Karake told me last week is he said his story, learning about Jeff's story, going from an undrafted rookie to Super Bowl champion, he said that you realize that Jeff's a guy who you were never going to outwork, and that's what he tried to instill in us. And that's something Jeff talked about when I had him pregame, is he said, we want to be the toughest, most physical team. And you saw that physicality and that toughness well executed on Sunday. Here's, here's There are a number of reasons why this team bought into Jeff Saturday so quickly. And uh, to me, one of the biggest ones was just how real he was with them. He walked in the building last week, and he didn't, shy away from anything. This is something Zaire Franklin told me, that he addressed every single thing that was going through players' minds, going through coaches' minds. Hey, we all really loved Frank Reich. He he started off his talk to the team on Wednesday saying how good of a man Frank Reich is, how good of a coach he is, how I recognize y'all love him, and this is really hard. Address that. For the coaching staff, he addressed what you talked about, Lara, that you're short-staffed, and this is hard. It's it's more work and more responsibility with fewer people. That is just the reality of it. And to not just – and then he came in and he was so genuine and authentic in who he was that you have, you know, Bobby O'Karake hearing that. Like, I'm never going to outwork this guy. Quentin Nelson saying he's an underdog, we're underdogs. Mm-hmm. That really resonated. And on top of that, then just that, that energy and that juice brought a level of focus to practice. Jonathan Taylor said it after the game. Like, everything was crisp, but, like, guys were having fun at practice. Mm-hmm. And for a team that was 3-5-1, and one, practice can be a slog. It can just be a, you know, not an enjoyable thing sometimes. And for the Colts to it, – it may sound corny, but to have, like, a fun week of practice, yeah. I think s- that translated. Two, uh, two other things to point out. There were a couple of things that he integrated into practice. One thing I talked with a few of the guys on the defensive side about were more one-on-ones, integrating some one-on-one work in practice. That's something we saw. We also saw Jeff where the offense went through something and did it incorrectly, and he forced them to go back and do it again. Wait a minute. Stop. Do it over. Get it right. 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 Perfect practice makes perfect execution. Yes. So immediately calling things out. No. Do it over. We're going to do it till we get it right. Right. And then also, I mean, for all that Jeff brings into the building – and rightfully so, deserves a ton of credit. Having Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor back were huge for yes. him as well. Though you cannot ignore the oh, impact yeah. that having each of those guys had in the outcome of the game. So those were obvious assets for Jeff to have to work with in his debut game as interim head coach. Let me read you guys some quotes. These are after the game by players. Sam Ellinger says, quote, We have a lot of really good X's and O's coaches, but I think what Jeff brought was more energy. It's hard to describe exactly that fight, that toughness, that accountability, calling guys to to play better, not being afraid to say something, not being too nice. 
All right, that's uh, now it's Zaire Franklin. Zaire Franklin says, a fresh perspective. It's like your parents. You hear what I'm saying? You're at home, and your mom's telling you to clean the room all day, <laughs> and then your aunt comes over and tells you, and you kind of listen. All right, Paris Campbell says, Jeff brought a different level of accountability to this team. He's really preached that since he got here. That just flowed through the entire team and player to player. We hold ourselves to a high standard. So those are some powerful words, and there's a lot more out there just can, like can that I, from other add, players. Can I add one more Please. from Paris Campbell? Please. So he's talking about accountability. And Paris said, quote, once we got to the game and you see him on the sideline, it was like, all right, he's counting on me, I'm counting on him, let's go do this. That's just the mentality that right. he kind of breathed into this team. Um, and sorry to cut you off there, but I, I just wanted to add that one in there because I'm staring right at it on my computer. Sure. No, I love it. I love it. No, I mean, we've all been there, by the way, when we have to clean our room and we don't want to or do, you know, clean the attic and uh, our wives are, are nagging at us here. Um, later. Hey, now. Well, or husbands. Or husbands. Yeah, husbands need to, to, to get things going a little bit, and I'm guilty of it. Hey, on a day off, I don't want to sweep out the garage. Uh, but what I'm getting at is – those are powerful words. Those are powerful statements about motivation and intensity and accountability. But, but J.J., it's one game, all right? And that's what all the critics, that's what all the naysayers are saying around the, uh, the nation looking at this team saying, okay, you beat the Raiders, okay? The Raiders are 2-7. and seven. They're on a three-game losing streak. They've wildly underperformed. They've underwhelmed. The question is, how long will Saturday's juice, that energy, that, that enthusiasm about him, how – Long can that linger before, you know, sort of the uniqueness and the newness of Jeff coming in wears off? I think it, it already wore off, and it wore off. What Jeff said is, in his experience, emotion wears off about halfway through the first quarter, and then it's on to execution. And what the Colts did on Sunday was they executed. They were also the more physical team. I think those two things are connected to Jeff Saturday coming in as the interim head coach, but – just that, you know, the juice and the energy, all that, I think it, it comes down to, are you more physical? Can you execute better? And mm-hmm. to go back to what Lara was talking about in, in practice, okay, you want to execute better? Get it right in practice. We're going to do it until we get it right. You want to be the more physical team? We're going to go one-on-one in practice, and we're going to compete our butts off in practice. Those two things, I think, are sustainable. It's not the rah-rah, you know, get to know me, I'm getting to know you. That stuff does wear off. But the right. the focus on execution and physicality, that is stuff that can be sustainable because let's be honest, this is a talented football team. I think we kind of sometimes forgot that during the first part of the season where, you know, you get to three, five, and one. Self infliction. Right. All over the right. place. You know, those games that the Colts lost, it's like you have these these errors that are uncharacteristic of a team that has this much talent. Like coming into the season, we, we looked at this Colts team and we said there's talent at every unit. Every position group, this should be a good team, and they shot themselves in the foot a lot over the first half of the season. If you can just eliminate those self-inflicted mistakes and let the talent come through, right. this is the result that you get. Who cares who you're playing? I mean, the the Raiders have freaking Devontae Adams on their team. Like, it's not like the Raiders are this horrible football team. I know they're picking second right now, but they have a ton of talent. They have Max Crosby, who has leads the NFL in tackles for a loss. The Colts had two negative plays against the Raiders, a, a team that has Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and right. some good players on that defense. Right. Th- this is – if the execution can stay where it was against the Raiders, and by no means was it perfect, but it was good and it was better and it was good enough to win, 
and the physicality and the competitiveness level stays the same, this Colts team can win a lot more games and it can sustain this sort of boost that they got in Week 10. No doubt about that. So you, you talk about how long will that continue to linger and how long it will continue to aid this team because it is a fresh start after Frank Reich was dismissed. Let's hear from Jeff Saturday himself on how he keeps his message going after just one week on the job. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Sustainability, we talked about it last night, right? Is that this is, you know, there, we still got a lot of games left and, and we have uh, processes in place that, that we know we have to, we have to achieve and we have to execute to. Um, and so we talked about that last night on the plane ride home. Hey, here's, you know, making sure roles were clarified, anything that had to be moved around or adjusted a little bit. You know, the biggest adjustments that I've made so far, most likely, you know, from a scheduling point, I want to make sure that's not taxing the staff even more because the process to me is the most important. And so, uh, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, kind of kind of get yourself around the ebbs and flows of the league. I learned this from Tony and Jim Caldwell is the process doesn't change, right? We understand the key contributors to wins, turnover ratios, special teams, right? Not giving up big plays, making big plays, all of, making sure that we're checking all of those boxes along with our install game plans, the thought process, make sure we're not losing the, the macro view or the micro view, keeping it all kind of tied in. And that's, to me, that's my job right now is making sure that we're we're not missing on those areas. And I feel like everybody's on top of it. And and uh, again, we as excited as we were about beating the Raiders, we got to go play the Eagles. You know, the game, the game don't change. It keeps moving on. So uh, we got another opportunity this week and, and uh, we're excited about it. There you go. That's Jeff Saturday on keeping his message going, trying to keep that intensity that he brought in his first week into the second week against the Eagles. Uh, who lost their first game uh, on Monday night football against the Commanders. Larry, he just talked about making some subtle changes, learning from mistakes and game management. Mm -hmm. I thought the game management overall, by and large, was really good, especially at the end of the first half with that game management, uh, keeping that one timeout in your hip pocket so you can kick the field goal before halftime, trying to double dip, if you will. I know they missed the field goal to start the third quarter on mm -hmm. their first drive of the second half. But what what changes in game in terms of management and approach did you see out of the Colts with uh, Jeff Saturday on the sideline? Well, I had the opportunity. One of the great things that I am so privileged in this job is that I spend Sundays behind the bench. I get to watch, and basically the whole first half, I'm just patrolling and following what Jeff is do doing just to learn about his sideline demeanor, what he's, he's doing down there, where he is trying to insert himself or maybe where he is letting things take care of themselves, how he's delegating mm -hmm. his time and his attention on the sideline. And it's something I asked him in our conversation yesterday how much he was adapting on the fly and learning as the game went on. And one of the things he said he was trying to do was really go in, especially with the offensive line. He was inserting himself right in between Chris Strasser and Kevin Mawai, and they had the tablets out. He's talking to Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, yeah. and they are going through and adapting, looking at things, because as J.J. mentioned, they do have some incredible guys up front on that defensive line for – for uh, I almost said Oakland for Las I Vegas. I said Oakland on the, the <laughs> for for Las front, Vegas. Yeah. So adapting to some things, trying to figure some things out that created the opportunity to get Jonathan Taylor a 66-yard run later in that game. Then he would bounce over. He would talk to Matt after some plays. Talk to Scott Milanovic. He would bounce over. Talk to the running backs. Talk to the receivers. He was everywhere. And mm -hmm. one of the things when I asked him about that, he said he was really just trying to 
communicate and make sure we were addressing the things that we didn't like and making sure we were also acknowledging, hey, this worked well, but this is what we have to do and this is how we have to adapt. And then he was really heavily leaning on Parks Frazier. And there was a time in yeah, he, the, he empowered Parks. He empowered Parks. Yeah. And there was a time where there was a particular play where Parks started to second guess himself. It was the sack, the third down sack. So it and what Parks, you know, it, that really was not on Parks' play call at all. That was on Matt Ryan, just missing a read. And Matt will tell you that, too. Matt just missed an open receiver and ended up, you know, taking a negative play on that. So Parks kind of wanted that play back. But Jeff said into Parks, you have called an outstanding game. Do not, do not back down. Yeah, don't do, flinch here. Do yeah. not, yeah. do not be scared. Go. Keep, we're going to go. We're going to make this work. And I think that is one of the things we always think about how coaches impact players. This is coaches impacting other coaches, and I think that was a result mm-hmm. that you saw from Jeff and what, what he'll continue to do yeah. moving forward. I mean, J.J., I mean, not that I was – I wasn't expecting it because I, I certainly didn't want it to happen for Jeff, you know, managing the game for the first time, first time on an NFL sideline uh, as a coach. But I think it would be fair to kind of expect – and maybe we're going to get a delay a game here because yeah. the the play comes in late or there might be a mismanagement of, of the clock, especially in a two-minute drill at the end of the half, which didn't happen. And, and quite honestly, the exact opposite happened. It was beautiful, well-executed, uh, great play calling by Parks Frazier there in the two-minute drill before the end of the half. You know, maybe some uh, hesitation on when to use the challenge flag or a misuse of the challenge flag. None of those things happened on Sunday with Jeff Saturday. And the other thing – you know, going back to just the operational stuff, the Raiders are penalized 10 times for 74 yards, Colts four times for 25 yards. There was not the, you know, the, the, and, and this also goes to Parks, by the way. Shout out to Parks because getting the play calls in worked great. He, there, there was not a, even a delay of game or like a need to burn a timeout because the play call was slow getting in. That was all really crisp, that operation of it. And then the challenge fight, he, Won a challenge, yeah. won his first challenge. Yep. Uh, and then at the end of that first half, I want to dive into that because the communication and just like everyone being on the same page, that that was a moment that I looked at. You go back and you say, if something was going to go wrong operationally with Jeff Saturday, that was the time that it was going to be. You have one timeout left, and the and Parks Frazier dials up two running plays to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, They go run. Uh, they then go hurry up with a pass that's incomplete. Then out of that, they call another run. Jonathan Taylor does a great job of getting down with three seconds to go. He doesn't try to extend the play. He does what he's coached to do. Good job by Scotty Montgomery there. And they're then able to get the field goal at the end of the half. And like that, in those tight moments where everything's moving so fast and you've got to really be on it, Jeff Saturday was on it. And that field goal? Won them the game it because did. it extended the lead to five at the end of the game, and and the Raiders needed a touchdown yep. at the end to get to obviously win the game. If if that if the Colts don't execute so solidly there at the end of the half, they're only up by two, and the Raiders can settle for a field goal and and win the game potentially in the in the fourth quarter. You think about how many times the Colts have lost a game this year because of yeah one thing that happened in the first half, mm-hmm. and they won a game because of. A couple of things that happened in the first half. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we're talking about fresh perspectives. That's the theme here on this part of the podcast, and that that's the Jeff Saturday part of the fresh perspective. And I think after what's happened at quarterback and all of the, you know, the events that have surrounded this offense, you know, with 
Marcus Brady's dismissal, Frank Reich's dismissal, uh, Matt Ryan getting hurt, and essentially the Colts saying we're, they're going to come out and say, hey, for the remainder of the season, Sam Ellinger is going to be our guy. Obviously, that's changed. Matt Ryan's healthy. He started, had a couple of really good days of practice last week on Thursday and Friday. So, J.J., the Colts offense turned back over to Matt Ryan, the 37-year-old vet. And just what a high degree of class and professionalism that he has displayed these last two weeks. And it's no surprise because of who he is and, and what he's you know meant to the NFL, the Falcons, and now the Colts. But what kind of fresh perspective did Matt Ryan have back inside this offense after missing two games and taking the the directions, if you will, and the orders from Parks Frazier and the game plan, trying to simplify some things and executing at a high level? Well, I think it's no mistake that guys rallied around Matt Ryan because they've seen how he's been over the last two weeks, where I don't think anyone would have totally blamed him if at the age of 37 you get injured and benched to just be like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, I want to trade. I want to trade. Yeah. I want to get out of here. Yeah. You know, I, you can you can pout around the facility. Maybe you don't even show up. I mean, I think that that was never on the table for Matt Ryan, but you just drop any, you know, generic quarterback in there, and they might have that reaction. Matt Ryan didn't. He was a pro in everything that he did. He went right into how can I help Sam out? How can I help this team out? Even though I may not be playing, I still have a role to play. That's something he said that week after mm-hmm. the Colts made the decision to go to Sam Ellinger is I still have a role on this team and I want to play it to the best of my ability, even if I'm not on the field. So when he goes back out there, guys already rallied around Matt Ryan for months leading up to the season. Now they've seen how he's been in a time of true adversity and he goes back out there. And I mean, those dudes are playing for him. They, you look at that offensive line, they, they were playing for Matt Ryan. The wide receivers are playing for Matt Ryan and to have that this week when so many other things are going on and guys are dealing with the the emotional fatigue of the week, to have Matt Ryan in there as as the quarterback, that made a, a huge difference in this game, irrespective of how well he played, which was very well, 21 to 28, you know, 222 yards, and Lara, the, the run. The run. Unbelievable. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm looking at this, and I started to spend some time yesterday thinking back about this. It's not just fresh perspective. It's a fresh body that Matt Ryan was able to come into that game with because of the two-game layoff. The shoulder was banged up. He had taken a beating through the first quarter plus of the season because how many sacks, fumbles, so many situations. I think that you may have just revitalized Matt Ryan in the second half of the season because of having those two games to really take care of himself. I don't think Matt Ryan would have had the ability to take off and run for 39 yards in one of those previous games because he had just been so, I I mean, beaten in each and every game. He didn't have the opportunity to come in 100% to each and every start in, you know, the the previous, what, six games that he had started so far this season. So I think you have have you know Matt Ryan 2.0 right now the shoulder we we you see seems to be well healed based on what we saw in not only in the game but also in practice previously the wheels of the 37 year old quarterback on the scramble are you kidding me there's a wonderful uh little highlight that uh, our Colts productions teams put together had some fun with put some music to it all of those things but yeah I mean 
Yeah. Chariots of Fire. There you go. That was good. Slow motion. Yeah, I like it. It was it was great. And I one of the things I asked all the guys about in the locker room after what does that do for the rest of the team when you see him take off and run and scramble and, you know, for nearly four, a 40-yard gain, the longest of his entire career? That sideline was losing it. When you ISO, like, DeForest Buckner's mm-hmm. reaction, and that's the thing. When you have a quarterback who is willing to do those type of things for the rest of your team, everyone is like, we're going to lay down for this guy. Yeah. We're going to put it all out there for a guy who's going to do that for us. Real quick aside, can I have a hot take? Oh, that was my second favorite run of the game. My favorite run of the game was Quentin Nelson and picking up the ball yeah. in the end zone and Watch running out. over that Watch poor Raiders out. defensive back. I know it didn't count, but my God, if right. that counted, that would have run. That would have won angry runs for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, love it. All right, just throwing this out there for discussion. I know this is kind of a tangent, but it just popped in my brain, and, and I do agree with you, Lara. Two weeks off. I mean, the last two games – we knew that Matt Ryan wasn't going to play. Mm-hmm. He was he was injured, right? So he we knew that he was going to be inactive. And so it's not like he had to go through the rigors of getting ready for the opponent. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to game plan for who he was going to face that, that week because he knew he wasn't going to play. So really, I think he had two weeks to think about himself and think about how he could operate better inside this Colts offense. And quite frankly... I thought that the Colts' offense on Sunday in Las Vegas looked like they should have looked all year. Yeah. They they protected better. I know that that doesn't include just Matt Ryan, but I thought they protected better. Obviously, they ran the ball better. And I know the Raiders' defense is not, you know, top five in the NFL. I understand all of that. But I guess what I'm saying is, operationally, um, and aesthetically, I thought that this is what the offense would have looked like back in week three, week four. So the last they two, got off to a hot start. They got, they got off, off to a, a fast start. start they, right? They let it halftime. You know, they put a the team away. The first time they let it halftime since week sixteen in twenty twenty one. Let at the end of the first quarter, the first half, the third quarter, and won the game for the first time this right. whole season. They went up to nothing at one point. So I guess what I'm saying is. Did Matt Ryan have more time to think about how this offense should look when he's in it as the quarterback? Because I thought they executed like I thought they were going to execute when they took the field in training camp. I'd imagine because of how collaborative this offense is, that is something that, you know, Frank Reich instilled in his coaches and his players. You know, you think about Parks Frazier has worked in that quarterback's room his entire career. He was assistant quarterback's coach prior to taking over play calling duties. So undoubtedly was he talking to Matt and saying, what do we need to put in? What position do we need to put you in to give you the best chance at success and Matt vice versa saying okay with the changes we've made now at offensive line here's what it will allow me to do more effectively yeah no doubt about that all right let's go to helmet stickers you guys want to have some fun with this we're talking about horseshoe helmet stickers now the Colts like every other NFL team they don't do helmet stickers some people think it's gimmicky or but to me it's it's about pride it's about passion it's about tradition right you see it a lot at the high school level you see it in college football with the Buckeyes at Ohio State, you know, the helmet stickers given out based on merit or reaching milestones. So if the Colts hypothetically gave out helmet stickers for this past Sunday's performance, who are you going with? The offensive helmet sticker for Larry Overton is going to go to the who? offensive line. Ah, took mine. All, oh. all five guys are getting it, right? That's that's yep. yeah. That's that's me. Horseshoe helmet stickers across the board. Well, JJ, if you've got if you've got a line, you want to take O line? If you've got a good No, I got a I got a good defensive one. Don't steal my defensive one. 
I was gonna give it. I was gonna give it, especially to uh, to Will Fries. Yes. Right, because he took in at the right guard position. Right, it's kind of been of a. The Colts are, are, you know, having a hard Spud. time putting their their thumb that's there. That's his nickname in the locker room, Spud. And and rightfully so. I yeah. call him Idaho, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been Danny Penter, Matt Pryor, now Will Fries. No sacks allowed on the season. Uh, getting his second start the other day. No penalties. Blocked very well in pass protection and in the run blocking uh, game. Was big on that 66-yard touchdown run for Jonathan Taylor. Big for him to come in in that situation, right? I, I know he spur of the moment last week and then he kind of held down that uh, that position at right guard the other day um, so maybe the Colts have found something there I think the Colts stick with it until there's time to have a discussion to to make that move but good on the second year man out of Penn State because he's very versatile he can play tackle he can play guard on both sides maybe he's uh, found a home at the right guard spot so helmet sticker for me on offense I'm going Will Fries. If I'm going to pick one guy from the line, uh, which is hard to do, I'm going to go with Bernard Ryman. He was Bernie! Going up, Bernie! He was going up against Chandler Jones, who I know only has a half sack this year, but Chandler Jones has 105 sacks in his career. You can't tell me that Chandler Jones didn't know what to do with a rookie left tackle. Mm-hmm. Bernard Ryman allowed zero pressures. Zero on 34 pass blocking steps Good on you, game. Rook. Good on Great you. Great job, Bernard Ryman. boy. That a boy. Larry? You're just going the entire offensive line. It's entire O-line. Absolutely. You're, you're, that, is, uh, that is it. You're very inclusive. Yes, I like it. Yes. All right. Defensive helmet sticker. Okay. Larry, you got to pick one guy. I'm changing the rules. Guy. Okay. I got one guy. All right. This is going to come as no surprise to any of you because okay. I, have, I have been behind him all season long, and yet again he proves why he is that guy. Stefan Freaking Gilmore. <laughs> okay, it's always good when your middle yep. name's freaking. I like it. I mean, it's, it's there is that guy. I the, he has injected an aspect of this defense that we have not had. You have not had a lockdown corner in the past at that mm-hmm. position because your all pro cornerback mm-hmm. is Kenny Moore. Your Pro Bowl cornerback is Kenny, who plays the nickel. Right, so you don't really have someone who's been in that position that you have Stephon Gilmore in, and. I mean, yet again, another game-clinching play. You think about the game, against, the win against the Chiefs, Gilly, there pass breakup. Yep. The game in Denver, Denver. Gilly. Yep. Yep. And then he's on Devontae Adams. And this is one Let's of the just things. Just make sure the defense is on the field last, all right? Yes. I mean, <laughs> get a lead. Get the defense on the field. This is one of the things I asked him about in the locker room after. You knew they were going to go to Devontae Adams. Yeah. And he said, yeah. I said, take me through the play. He said, they're going to go to their best player in that situation, mm-hmm. without question. And in those type of situations, I like myself. There is, there is. I wish this, I could say that. This Ooh, humble, in that situation, I there like is, me. There is this humble <laughs> confidence. It is. Stephon Gilmore is not arrogant. He has this humble confidence yeah. that just absolutely resonates with the rest of this team. He's so smooth, too. And he says it in a way where it's like, I wish I could say that, but I also wish I could say it like you. Right? Yes, I, yes. In that situation. I Yeah, I, I just – such a, such a fan of what he has brought to this defense and the yeah. type of playmaker that he is. Okay. I know you're happy about that answer, by the way. So – I, I am, because I figured you're going to go Stefan Gilmore. I know who you're going to go. You're going to go Bobby O'Karake. I'm going to go Bobby O'Karake. Yeah. Second and ten, Raiders have the ball inside the red zone with a minute and a half to go. They hand off to Josh Jacobs. A hole opens up to the left. Bobby O'Karake is engaged with Colton Miller, who weighs about a billion pounds. A billion. And is super athletic. Bobby O'Karake disengages from Colton Miller, gets in the hole, tackles Josh Jacobs. 
Stephon Gilmore is there as well. If Bobby doesn't get there, you have Josh Jacobs, who's averaging 5.4 yards per carry this year, lined up one-on-one on a cornerback. Every single coach in the NFL will tell you, you get your running back one-on-one on a DB, you're taking the running back. I think Stephon could have made that play. Mm-hmm. There's a chance he, he didn't because Josh Jacobs is a very good running back. That play could have gone for a touchdown. Bobby Okereke, right there. Stop number one. Number two, breaks up the pass to Foster Moreau on a seam ball in the end zone. Unbelievable play by Bobby to stick with him on the seam route. He gets his hands in there as soon as Moreau gets his paws on the ball and he swats it away like it's a volleyball. Mm-hmm. Great play. No doubt. And then on the play that Gilmore brought that he broke up, what do the Colts do? Gus. Sends a blitz. I love it. You know where the ball's going. It's going to Devontae Adams. Gus says, bring the house. And Bobby Okereke comes off the edge. Is this Gus Johnson here? I mean, what are we doing? I'm so fired up. He brings the blitz. He's dang the house. Yeah. And Bobby. So Bobby comes off the edge. Colton Miller, he's he's on Yannick Ngakwe. Colton Miller has to get off Yannick Ngakwe. Bobby comes with speed around the edge. <laughs> Derek Carr in his periphery as he's staring down Devontae Adams, sees 58 coming at him, goes, oh, no, I got I to gotta drift back a little bit. When Derek Carr throws that ball, he is off platform. His hips are square to the end zone, and he throws it. It kind of flutters a little bit. Gilly's able to make a play on it. Bobby Okereke gets I, – I am – like, slapping that helmet sticker on that Colts helmet <laughs> as hard as I can for the game that Bobby O'Karake played how, at the how, end of that game. How big is that helmet sticker? It is, is it the size of the normal horseshoe or what? It's, uh, <laughs> it takes up the whole helmet. <laughs> Damn. It's, like a, it's like a wrap. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. There's a sack. Ah! Mayte, who you got on your helmet stickers? Uh, I'm going with Isaiah Rogers. Yeah. Under yeah. the radar guy, right? Love he started it. the last four games. His snap total's increasing. His role is increasing, getting a lot more playing time. And he lined up a couple of times against Devontae Adams, man. He didn't yeah. back down. Yeah. He had that big pass breakup on the sideline. Would have been a big catch for the Raiders in that situation. And he played it. You know, he wasn't afraid of Devontae Adams, man. He went toe for toe or toe to toe with him. And uh, he had two pass breakups in that game. I think he's played beautifully. I think Isaiah Rogers is on the cusp of becoming a star. You know, I, 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 I really do. Mm-hmm. I think he can be a shutdown corner for this I, team. I had a chance to catch up with Isaiah in the locker room last week, and I was just talking to him like, hey, man, you know, I, I keep seeing you every week. You're out there making plays. Like, your pro football focus grade is, is like, in the 80s. It's really good. And he was like, yeah, you know, I don't eh, – yeah, you know, I, I really want to get turnovers. Like, that's really where I need to step my game up. He, I, I love that he was just he, – he is ascending. We are mm-hmm. seeing the ascension of Isaiah Rodgers, and mm-hmm. he was like, eh. I can I can be better. I can play better. He's yeah. not letting this thing get to his head. I, I really love that about I him. really think he's a star in the making. I really do. Still getting calls from Cuz, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Rogers, Cromartie. I guess they talk every day. He's his harshest critic, but it comes from a good place, a place of love and support and passion. So Isaiah Rogers, man, he's uh, he's one of my favorites on that Colts defense, primarily because he makes plays. He's just a good kid. He's humble, uh, but he's he's starved for success. Wants he's to keep fiery. getting better. He, he's mm-hmm. fiery yeah. too. I love it. Yeah. All right. I'm going wild card helmet sticker. Yes. It can be anybody else that deserves it in okay. any other capacity. Yeah. Helmet sticker for offense, defense, coaching staff. What do yep. you got, Larry? Coaching staff. Parks right. Frazier gets my helmet sticker that, for the that, week. That's, that's awesome. So I I know Parks very well. Actually, back in 2018 or 2019, when I was with Fox 59 and CBS 4, I actually did a story on Parks on his, it would have been 18. I think it was, it was, it definitely was 2018. I did a story on Parks and his 
path to becoming Coach Reich's assistant. He was a college quarterback at Murray State and had had some roles, uh, you know, various roles working in college programs, but then finally got an opportunity with Coach Reich. And then he was promo- I mean, promoted every single offseason. And back when I did that story with Parks, he's a first-year guy, and he was working hand-in-hand with Andrew Luck at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And Andrew immediately instilled a lot of trust and a lot of responsibility in Parks. So I thought that spoke volumes of Parks's ability and who he is. And then Parks's wife is one of my closest friends, Caroline Can, formerly Caroline Can, now Caroline Frazier, who everyone in this building knows. So... So excited for him to be 30 years old, calling plays, stepping in with an interim head coach. And a lot of that is to, you know, credit to the rest of this staff rallying behind Parks. Uh, one of the things that, you know, Jeff Saturday get, get told him is, you know, I, I trust you. You know, this is what you are here to do. And I think that, you know, Parks certainly embraced that role and showed a lot of people in the NFL why he will eventually be a head coach in this league. Yeah, we got a good mailbag question about Parks because he, he was going to be mine too, you know, as the the, mm-hmm. the floater guy, um, just about what he did. So we can get into that in a little bit. I'm going to I'm gonna give one to Paris Campbell. Yes. Because Paris, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the play at the end of the game where he catches that slant, I, I had a conversation with Paris a couple weeks ago and he was just talking about his running back mentality. When he gets the ball in his hands, he, he's got that vision and that burst and that toughness. Like, first contact on Paris on his touchdown was, like, 10 yards shy of the goal line, and he just goes through it like butter, like a knife through butter. It was awesome to see. And talking to him after the game, you can tell how much this means to Paris Campbell. He's not, he, you know. He's played every game. He's played every game, and he's played really well, especially over the last five games or so. Mm-hmm. We are seeing Paris Campbell really show up the guy who everyone in this building no one in this building lost faith in Paris Campbell including himself we are now seeing Paris Campbell look like the guy mm-hmm. who the who everyone expected he was going to be when the Colts drafted him in 2019 this is the guy we're seeing and making a play at the end of the game getting the game winning touchdown you know he he's seven catches 76 yards he made a number of plays before that um you're just so appreciative of what we're seeing from Paris Campbell, knowing what he's been through and knowing the kind of player he always knew he could be, and now he's showing it. And he called up the soldier boy in the end zone touchdown celebration. That was so good. Uh-oh. So good. Explain, please. The soldier boy? The you don't dance? remember soldier boy? No. Who are you talking to? Explain. Uh, it's it's not a song by Rush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, because I don't like Rush. Well, ah. in, the, in the touchdown, did you see where he kind of dives forward and puts his hands back behind him? I did see that part. Yeah, okay. that's the, uh, the yeah. soldier boy dance. By the way, Paris Campbell, more receiving yards this year than his first three years combined. Pretty cool. Really happy for him, man, because he's staying healthy. He appreciates it. The easiest guy what, to like. Yeah, he oh, knows Campbell. what this means for him, his opportunity. It's a contract year for him. So, yeah, no one is uh, more happier, if that's the right way to put it. No, no one, <laughs> what no a wordsmith you are there, More Taylor? happy. No one is happier, I should say, for Paris Campbell. Than okay, the, who's, your, who's your wild card going it was, to? It was Parks, yeah. Okay. It was Parks, yep. So, yeah, tip of the cap there to Parks. Frazier and actually, it oh, it was great. So, a uh, quick little, uh, I went out for a run in Vegas. Uh, Shocker. Game day morning. Yep. And I went to Starbucks right there in the hotel, and I'm walking through, and Parks is sitting in the restaurant in the hotel with his parents, and I know his, oh, his parents very great. well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see him, and I kind of sneak my head in between you know, where they were, and I go, 
have a great game today, coach. There and he gets go. Parks like get, his face gets red, like he's he's awesome, and he's immediately like, "You remember my parents? Like, talk about anything else, please. Don't talk yeah, about yeah. me." That's so De- great that his parents were there. Yes, oh, that's great. I Give me know. thirty-five seconds of reprieve, so I don't have to think about the game, right? Yeah, and just, the stress and the yeah. anxiety there. But I thought that was just such a cool moment that that they were able to be there. They're all having breakfast together, and so it was so so special. And when you saw the video of him yeah. up there in the booth, yep. that everyone just celebrated celebrating him it was to me one of the feel-good stories so far this season and so very well deserved all right uh jj that is a great transition to the mailbag because our question question this week comes from Derek heldenbrand at stuff Derek say on twitter it was so cool to see all the support parks frazier got from the rest of the colts booth after his first touchdown drive as a play caller my mom and i both got a little misty watching it what were things that Parks did or didn't do to be successful as a first-time play caller? Didn't try to do too much. Yep. He talked mm-hmm. about this. You know, they tightened the package up. They simplified things. Mm-hmm. He said, we are going to find, I know everyone heard his press conference on Thursday, you know, we're going to identify certain things and be great at them and execute them well rather than trying to be too expansive and do too many things. Right, no doubt about it. I thought he thought players and not plays. He thought mm-hmm. about situations. I thought it was a great play call. We kind of talked about this there at the end of the half to dial up the run to set up the the field goal before halftime and 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 great job again as you said by Jonathan Taylor with situational awareness knowing to get down knowing the Colts had the timeout with three seconds left so um, the RPO game was awesome I thought the running game dedication to get Jonathan Taylor back and establish him and wear down the Raiders defense over the course of that game we're on carry 29 or carry 30 for the game as an offense for the Colts that could finally break a four or five yard run turn it into a 66 yard run for a touchdown so I thought it was I hate I hate to say this because it's going to sound like I'm I'm not giving him a compliment but I am but it was simple it was executed and the Colts did a good job of making him feel comfortable early I think the other part of this is the Colts players felt so comfortable with Parks Mm -hmm. designing this because they know him. He's been here since 2018. He's been in those meetings. I mean, last year on Hard Knocks, he was the guy with the penguin in his office. Um, You know, he's he's been a part of this fabric for so long. You know, Jonathan Taylor uh, said after the game, quote, we knew this. Parks has been with us even before I got here. Parks has been with us. He knows the offense inside and out. So players – not only it, it, it was a trust factor, too, with Parks of like, hey, we trust what he's going to call. And then on top of all of that, like you guys mentioned, he kept it very streamlined. So players were able to execute. They were able to keep the Raiders off balance. That's something Kylan Granson talked about after the game, that we, we knew that they were off balance, so that just gave us even more confidence to go execute. Um, that, you know... You have to change your game plan. You have to tailor it week to week. You can't run the same game plan week to week. So the challenge for Parks is now how do you scheme it up for the Philadelphia Eagles, a very good defense coming in Mm -hmm. with a lot of talent. But because Parks knows all the different corners of this offense, everything that this offense can do, he's been in game planning meetings with Nick Sirianni, with Marcus Brady, to figure out how to tailor this offense to specific opponents. There is no doubt in this building that Parks can do it again, and he can keep things streamlined, Maybe you want to call it simple, whatever you want to call it, but allow his guys to execute and find the plays in the playbook that allow his guys to execute. Where did you go? You just left. Oh, 
Yeah. You just left. This I is know. an audio were, format. Were you no done, one needed to know were that. Were you done with the podcast? Well, I needed to know. I just walk it you off. You just left. <laughs> I got a call from Matt Conti, guys. You just I mean, left. Like, you guys understand. Like, when I Matt thought Conti you didn't like what JJ yeah. was saying. You just got the hell out of here. I did. I, I like did. it. No. That's it. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So, well, our senior director of football communications, I'm when your phone rings and it's him, especially over the last two weeks, you answer. I get it. Yeah. Well, what's going on now? Right? This is the last thing I need right here. All right. My random thought of the week to close out and I'm, I'm glad that we can get a little bit uh, lighter here at the end of this podcast because we've had some some heavy subject matter the last couple of weeks to your point Lara I was um I was doing some some early holiday shopping the other day on my phone and I hate to admit this but I think other people can uh can relate doing a little shopping on Amazon and uh getting some stuff in order for the holidays and uh, it said your order is going to be shipped, you know, whenever. And I looked at, I said shipping. Huh? So why is why is something sent by a car or a truck or a van? Why is that called a shipment, but something sent by a ship is called cargo? That's kind of like why do you park in a driveway but drive on a parkway? Exactly. Why yes. is the foul pole in fair territory? If yeah, if you hit the foul pole, it's fair. Totally agree. I'm going to be thinking about this all day. I just want to know that. This is beyond random. But I, I I thought, wait a minute, something that is shipped is ground transportation. Well, something, something that can shipment be, is not cargo. necessarily. It can be shipped via air. I don't know. Did I just blow your guys' minds here? Yeah, I didn't you, mean you, to do is, that. The, the thing that got me is something sent by a ship is called cargo. Yeah. yeah. That's what got me. Right. Car. It's yeah. cargo. Like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> sometimes English... And the, like, who came up with this? Like, who decided that? It makes no I mean, freaking there, sense. There are so many things. And why do we just like go along with it? Like, yeah. why don't we just change it over the course like, of time? There are so many things in the English language that drive you nuts. Like, the plural of deer is deer. The plural of beer is beer. Stupid. Explain that Stupid. to me. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. No sense to me. Do you guys holiday shop on your phone? Do you fall guilty of that in that trap? Uh, I do. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I have a little, a little holiday. So you guys know, like, I kind of, I don't, I am not the most festive Christmas loving person. Okay. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Yeah, I don't see that. you guys, you guys know, I have a little resistance to the holidays, but I do. I really do like, and I always have one weekend a year where I'll go out and I'll shop in person because something that helps me cope with the trauma of the holidays is to go out and actually be in it and like go and and shop and be in the store and see I'm I, the exact opposite of that I, I like to enjoy the holidays from home no, no but see no I like that you, you've got like the window decor and like people are just kind of in a generally better mood and you've got like the the red the uh, red kettles out and you know people are yeah. dropping the some money there. Army. the salvation yeah. army and you know people are feeling a little generous and you got you know Santa Claus and I I don't know you get all those things so i like to go out i have to go be in it and i remember there was a point last year where it was you know five days before christmas and i bought everything online i didn't even, didn't even have anything else that i needed to purchase but i needed to go immerse myself and just go be in it <laughs> so i just bought things for myself and i mean nothing yeah. makes you feel oh, better than that treat yourself <laughs> treat yourself treat but, yourself. I, but what i do among that i go to the fashion mall i go do my little shopping <laughs> and then i sit at the bar at napoli's and i order myself a, a glass of the super tuscan and i sit at the bar by myself and i just like to marinate Right there. Yeah. Just, yes. 
Love to marinate with now. Super Tuscan. Simmer down now. That's the way to do it right there. So if you see Lara posted up at the bar by herself, <laughs> leave her alone. She doesn't want to talk to you. She just wants needs, to feel merry and bright. Needs at least an hour of marinating in Christmas cheer. I'm a, and Chianti. See, I am the scene in The Grinch when his heart starts to grow, right? It starts out and it's like this. But it's this. a process, and don't screw with it, okay? I got to get there by December 24th at midnight. I love it. <laughs> hey, much like this staff, you know, as we have talked about this week, the, the Colts coaching Holy staff. My. I know my strengths and my weaknesses, and Christmas ain't my right. strength. So keep play to your strength, That's people. That's right. The play caller over there <laughs> has got to keep it simple. A lot of RPOs there in that Christmas <laughs> festive game. <laughs> She's got options. She can run, she can pass, or she can just get the hell out of there. I like it. Uh, <laughs> Lara, Lara, what's on? Is this on the TV show this this Sunday, or what are we Maybe doing here? It should be. Is this on 360? Maybe it should be. Got to get have, an entire segment. We got we got to sit down with uh, Coach Saturday in studio. I joked with him when he walked back this week. I said, "Hey, one of the things they didn't tell you about taking this job is you have to talk to me twice a week." Yes, and you do. He he laughed about that, so we had, had a good little banter. Uh, so Jeff Saturday one on one. We also have a really cool feature on the secrets of long snapping with Luke Rhodes. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Everyone should watch this. As it, a former long snapper, I did like it. You snapped? I did everything. Yeah, I played offense, defense. I was the backup quarterback. I was the long snapper on punts, and I was the holder on PATs. Well, we should have interviewed you for this segment, I don't know then. why you did. Yeah, we had Bubba Ventrone and Luke Rhodes. We should have had Matt Taylor, yeah. Snap Taylor yeah. back there. Yeah. Snap the, Taylor. The, the high school the high school do-it-all are back in 2003. Opportunity missed. Just saying. <laughs> what are we doing? 20 years ago, I could have I dialed something up there. So yeah, that, well, that's good stuff. Yeah, I did see that. That's uh, that's really good. So I'm excited to see that on the television show this weekend. JJ, what are you writing about? No coaching changes this week, so you're uh, don't jinx it, you, Matt. Well, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You got a, you got a blank slate over there. Uh, you gonna have writer's block? No, no. There's still plenty to write about on Colts.com this week. Uh, we'll have a chance to believe. I believe here from Parks Frazier later on Tuesday, so I'll probably write something off of that. And then I, I didn't. Like start shouting about Bobby O'Karake on this podcast without the yeah, intention that was of writing about Bobby O'Karake later this week because he's a guy who we don't. I think sometimes we take him for granted. Like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a good player, but the impact he has made on this team, especially with Shaquille Leonard in and out of the lineup now on injured reserve, has been really, really incredible and important. So I want to give Bobby O'Karake some flowers this week. He, he deserves it. <laughs> some flowers. I talked with Bobby last week, speaking of Colts 360, and I asked him because Zaire calls that linebacker group the, the deepest, best linebacker core in the NFL. I asked him about that, and Bobby said, even with Shaq out, our production has been elite. And then being at the will linebacker position in this scheme is highlighting my coverage ability, but also mm-hmm. being a backside player who can hunt the ball. And I think I've shown ability to do that. He told me that. Wednesday of last week, before what we saw unfold yep. on Sunday, and yeah. certainly that was such a testament to exactly right. what he spoke. Playing yep. on the backside, defending the run. Yeah, yeah he's he's doing a really good job. Yeah. And we got you locked and loaded on audio this week. Colts Roundtable Live from last night on Monday. Jeff Saturday recaps his first week on the job, his first win against the Raiders. Coach Sat. There you go. Coach Sat. Yeah, that's what he said. The high schoolers back in the day in Georgia called him Coach Sat, so maybe that's a trend here in Indy. We got daily updates tonight through Thursday on the Colts, what's going on in practice, injury reports, and all of that. Inside football with Rick Venturi and the blueprints to beat the Eagles, the 8-1 and 
Eagles, by the way, after their first loss on Monday Night Football. That'll drop on Wednesday. Know your foe, Bo Wolf, covering the Eagles for The Athletic. Big Bo on the show on Thursday and Friday, Colts Happy Hour with JMV, getting you ready for Sunday's action against Philadelphia. Sunday night, instant reaction. Uh, as the Colts try to take down the Eagles, you got J.J. Stankovitz and Bill Brooks with a reaction there on Colts.com and the Colts Audio Network. Guys, appreciate the time. Fun times on the official podcast. As always, Lara, good luck getting festive for the next seven hey, or thanks eight weeks for, here. Hey, thanks for drawing up some great plays for us. You know, you're that's, welcome. You're the play yeah. caller on this you podcast. You, really, you, you kept it simple and streamlined. We had a lot of fun. Helmet good stickers execution. I like. How should I, I like take that. that? Should I take that as a compliment? Yes, yeah, You kept you it simple. You kept it streamlined. We didn't, stay we in didn't your lane, overthink this podcast. The blinders we executed on. well. All right, well, I'm walking out I'm again. never going to be guilty of overthinking anything, I can tell you that. For J.J., Larry Overton, who's leaving for the second time during this podcast. Sayonara, I'm Matt Taylor, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday on the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet.